In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. RPGs and Baby Makes Three, Rob Hester and Gretchen Hilmers here today with our special guest, Savannah Kite. She is a licensed associate marriage and family therapist focusing on LGBTQ plus families. And we wanted to bring Savannah on today because if you've been listening to recent episodes of the podcast, we have been talking about a tragedy that we had in our gaming community, a longtime member of our gaming group, Mike Dottavio, we knew him as Mike Dot, um, passed away earlier this year on September 10th of 2020. And 2021, I'm sorry. And Gretchen and I, and I think other members of our tabletop gaming group have had quite a bit of, um, I think, difficulty dealing with it. Um, you know, it's interesting the kind of bonds that you form. So Gretchen is going to take the lead on this one. So Gretchen, I want to pass this over to you because I know that in particular, you and Mike, I kind of describe it as like the two of you were buddies. And I think that, um, yeah, so I want, and I know that you put all this together with Savannah. So, so take it away, Gretch. Yeah, well, you know, I, I have to say it was very interesting. I tried contacting several um, groups with therapists and it was amazing how few people seem to really delve into the role-playing world. But Savannah, you have. Um, so what is your experience with role-playing? Oh, um, so I mean, I've played several role-playing games, tabletop, but also I like RPG-like video games, like all the Elder Scroll games um, from way back in the day. Um, and uh, I played like Dungeons and Dragons, Mordheim, those kind of games. Yeah, but I always play the exact same character, no matter what game I play. And, and I have some gamer friends who are like, you can't do that. And this is why you're not good at role playing. I'm like, uh, listen, I will always be like some sort of high elf wizard. It will always be <laughs> the only thing I will ever be. And no matter what game I'm in, I'll find some version of that. Um, and that's just how it is. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. No, well, there's can... no wrong way to play a role playing game. I mean, as long well, as you're not to my like... friend Celeste. Okay. <laughs> I wonder well, if it's... I feel like our friend Amanda, she usually plays some sort of book smart. Spellcaster character. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, I think we get comfortable. That's why, you know, Rob and I will talk a lot about the, the joys of doing one-shot games because you can explore different aspects that you normally wouldn't dig in on a regular campaign. Um, yeah, my favorite character that I just, maybe my all-time favorite character that I play right now is a Kender Bard. 
and he is just fun loving. He wants to be friends with everybody. He'll, you know, he befriended a hill giant, which is just hilarious. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I love having that carefree, fun little spirit. Um, but of course we did do a one shot recently in a game called Aegon where I was just a horrible, brutal granddaughter of Ares. And it was not, it was not pretty, but Hey. Um, yeah. That was um, made me kind of want to sleep with one eye open next to Gretchen <laughs> for a little while there. So um, Gretchen, why don't we delve into the subject at hand though? Yes. So, um, you know, so, getting some background with Savannah, you can, you know, we, we have that connection of understanding how a role-playing group interacts and how we are a, a group outside of our games and then inside we have connections as well. So when our friend Mike passed, I realized that this grieving process would not only be something that had to happen in my real life, but then when we sat back down to our games, and the relationship of his characters to our characters, it would have to happen all over again. So, I mean, kind of what's your take on the grieving process and then especially connected to a role-playing environment? Sure, so I wrote up a bunch of notes before this and it's there's kind of like a three-prong way that I'm looking at it. This isn't like a theory or anything. Um, but the first part that you'd wanna really think about right? Is that we realize that, you know, so part of, part of what I do is becoming, I'm becoming a play therapist, right? And you watch people work out their inner worlds through play. It's incredible because you don't have to put words to things. You don't have to intellectualize it. It just sort of happens. It just sort of comes out of you, you know, I'm not going to cry, but I'm like picking up on like sad feelings and I'm like feeling kind of sad and I'm sorry, you're going through what you're going through. Um, and there's this like idea of bleed, which you must have heard before, right? Mm -hmm. Where part of who you are bleeds into the characters that you play, right? Um, and it's incredible to watch people play games because so much of what they're going through comes out in their play, right? I was just recently in Helen, Georgia. My wife were walking down the street and I saw two little girls. They were not speaking English. I don't know what language they were speaking, but one of them was clearly holding a pretend baby and pretending to hold it back while the other one was pretending to shoot her, uh, to try to shoot the baby. This, these, these very small children were just like on the side of the road, having the best time of their life, replaying some sort of trauma that they've Ooh. seen, okay? It's incredible when you watch people play because a lot comes out in their play, right? And so, so much of when we have a character in game, right? It's not just the person outside in real life, but the character in the game is also a very special someone that you can grieve over, right? And so the first thing you'd really wanna think about when we're going through this process is, you know, what are my feelings IRL? And what are my feelings in the game? What is my character feeling, right? And so I guess I'd come back to you and, and, and this is, you don't have to share anything that you don't wanna share. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd want to know like, how is that different for you in game versus IRL? Are your characters uh, differently oriented in the game versus in real life? Well, I mean, what do you mean by oriented exactly? Like if you're buddies, as, as, as Rob said, in real life, but maybe you're not buddies in the game. Yeah, I think, you know, Mike, 
so with the the supernatural game that we played for oh my god five years rob how many years it many was years. about five years yeah um he uh his character jack roberts was just incredibly loyal um would go to the ends of the earth to help your characters um he was very dry and sarcastic and that was that was mike like you could tell like mike was incredibly loyal had a dry sense of humor um but just i don't know so like some of those aspects were definitely there so then there was that connection of you know well that was mike in in this form and then in you know our most recent dragonlance game he played a priest like a kind of grouchy um very i don't know would you say like kind of almost by the book priest rob what would you how would you describe yeah, I mean, I would say um, gruff, opinionated, um, sort of stern. Yeah, I would say kind of a, a, a in many ways, like a, a prototypical dwarf when you think of like D&D role play, you know, like straight out of like Lord of the Rings or, you know, those like the really kind of when you think of the dwarven archetype. I mean, he was a priest, but he's kind of a warrior, you know, like it was that whole which I think also really reflected Mike too. Yeah. And I want to add this in too, because Savannah, I think, you know, I think this is sort of an important point of context is like our gaming group. And and I know everybody plays differently and, and you got, this is up the, you know, obviously this is in the before times before we had the pandemic, but a big part of our gaming was uh, as much of, it was as much of a social gathering as it was gaming. So like, a big part of what we did was we would always get together an hour before the game began. The games took place at our house and we would have a potluck and like people would bring and make food. And Mike in particular, he'd always bring uh, way too much food. And on occasion, Mike had a background as a cook and he would make this food that was just unbelievable. I talked about it a million times, his eggplant (laughs) Parmesan. I do not like eggplant. And his eggplant parmesan, he made this like, you know, like it looked like a caterer's tray, like this, you know, big tin of eggplant parmesan. And so there was like, we would have this time where we would do this potluck and it would like almost sort of gradually transition into the game. So there was a lot more, I think, especially in the supernatural game that we played. And we also played this alternative game for a while where what you're talking about bleed was a lot more a part of the game almost because the hanging out eating almost did bleed into the game like people still had their plates of food in front of them and we then we just started playing and each of the characters that we were playing and i was uh, playing the role of the storyteller each of the characters had a little bit of well maybe even a lot of the person playing them in it. It was like, that was kind of the game that the game that we were playing was a game where I feel like people were playing to a certain extent, playing themselves, not exactly. And, and all that, but Gretchen was a snarky coffee (laughs) addict and Gretchen is a snarky coffee addict. So (laughs) 
<laughs> Look, I'm not as obsessed. All right. That was one of my character traits, obsessed I'm about coffee. But yeah, um, yeah. She's not obsessed clumsy, at all. clumsy and sarcastic. Used to work too much in the uh, service industry. So yeah, customer service. It gets to you. It gets to you. So yeah, I mean, you know, I think we we definitely would it, it was kind of in a way us or toned down or amped up aspects of us at the table and with our characters. So it was very much friends and friends. Like, I don't know that we were ever, you know, at least for, for myself, I don't know that our characters were ever at odds. And so it was very much a friend, friends uh, situation. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so yeah, it, in, in, in knowing that, you know, how, how, I don't know, you have your notes. Let's see what else is on your notes. Where do we go from here? <laughs> somehow, somehow I always become the bossy one. Um, just like when I play games. Okay. So, um, I mean, another kind of thing here, right. In this, there's three tasks I kind of want to address. Right. And part of it is this feelings part, duh, right? Um, and and one of them, I, I would imagine that you or maybe other people in your group might feel is this what we call like disenfranchised grief, which is like, well, do I even get to grieve? Like if I'm having all these feelings, does that even make sense? It's not like it's my mom who died, right? It's not like it's like my, my child or something, but like I have all these feelings, right? And so kind of just thinking about like, do I have the right to grieve? Of course right? Do I have the right to have these big feelings? Absolutely. But what if I don't have feelings too, right? Some people we have to realize are not going to experience grief in all the same ways. You might be feeling very differently than the other people in your group, right? Because everyone um, just deals with things differently. I had a friend who lost his mom and he was like, I didn't cry at all. I didn't cry once, you know, but years later, I mean, 20 years later, he's very affected by it still. And so we want to just make sure that we're like very kind to ourselves and not kind of putting those shoulds on and saying, Oh, I should, I definitely should feel this way, you know? Um, and then also doing that again with your characters, right? Because um, I'm going to get to in a second, kind of like rituals. Um, but maybe your character is going to mourn differently than you do. Right. Or maybe your character is going to mourn differently than someone might expect someone to mourn right it's not going to maybe look exactly the same maybe your character gets drunk maybe your character uh decides to i don't know get a new job or a girlfriend or something who knows you know um people deal with grief differently and so it's okay if your characters don't have don't necessarily have to go through some sort of public display public as an in-game you know display of grief right um but we want to just make sure that we're giving these feelings we're having names right could be guilt could be anger people don't want to talk about those ones they're like I'm sad and that's where I feel comfortable being but you can be really mad at people right who who have passed um you be mad at them for whatever reason like what the hell's wrong with you why did you smoke cigarettes you know or why did you decide to drunk drive or why did um why did you even go in the first place what what kind of a bastard would do something like that 
you know? And so it's okay to feel all sorts of feelings or guilt, right? Why did you go? You're like perfect. And I'm like garbage in my mind. Right. So why would you leave and not me? So we just want to make sure we're being really kind of clear with ourselves about what feelings we're feeling. But the next part I wanted to jump into, unless you want to interrupt. Yeah. Well, let me, let me, um, I'll kind of want to dive in here too, because I think that you bring up a really good point. And in our specific case, we, so we had some in-game conflicts with Mike that spilled over into real life conflict between he and one, but also kind of two of the other players. And it resulted in kind of a standoff that it kind of came down to he or them leaving that particular campaign game and um and end up being mike that we had to kick out of the group this one particular Dragonlance game it wasn't with the intention of never playing games with mike again but in this particular case there was a personality conflict that was happening and it was leading to people not having fun I guess is, you know, because the point of playing a game is to a certain extent, I mean, it's fun. It's the first kind of rule of what are we doing here? Um, and, um, and so, you know, you talk about guilt. So we did that and Gretchen mentioned Mike as being a very loyal person. And I feel like he felt that his loyalty was betrayed in that moment. And he ended up, you know, unfriending us all on Facebook and, um, but I always, and I, and I can't speak for Gretchen, but I think we, we've both fallen into this, but I always sort of felt like we'll eventually work it out. Like we've oh, been yeah. friends for too long and I remain friends with his brother um, who I'd only gotten to know in the past year because of Mike. And so I sort of always felt like, yes, this was troublesome, but this game isn't going to last forever let's let things cool off and then it'll work out, but never had that opportunity because my past. And so there is that, I know for me personally, there's always that like regret or, or like, I mean, if I'm being really honest, I think to myself, like, could, could things have been different if that wouldn't have happened? Mike, I don't want to get too much into his personal thing, but he died of COVID and we had very different viewpoints on COVID and vaccines and things like that. And that was one of the things that was magical about, I think our relationship is that we had very different personal viewpoints and Gretchen too, on a lot of things in the world around us, but we were able to be friends through gaming. And so I've kind of, on my own personal level, I've like dealt with that. I've, I've, I've kind of been dealing and dealt with some of those issues of like, well, what could it have been different if we still had had Mike in our life? You know what I mean? If we had continued to have those conversations from two different sides of a viewpoint and maybe who knows what would have, you know, what would have been the end result. So I mean, I think it's a, I'm glad to hear you bring up that guilt point because um, 
I mean, I'm feeling some of that. I don't know about you, Gretchen. Um, I don't know. I think the last conversation that I had with Mike, I was very clear about how much I cared about him and how much a, a part of our lives he was and that, you know, I know we can get through this and, um, and he's always welcome at our table. So I feel like, although I didn't have a final face to face with him because of the pandemic, I feel like I left off on a good foot, but there is a lot of guilt there because, um, I didn't have him in my life for many months and I missed him. And for me, you know, he, I think one of the harder things, one of the things that my brain keeps going back to is he gave our son this little duck Uh and, and I kept getting cute photos of Lincoln with this duck. And I kept telling myself, Oh, I got to send these photos to Mike and check in. And, and then all of a sudden I find out, that ship sailed. There's, you know, I can never do that. And it's such a, uh, an interesting thing for me to keep looking back at as like what I would feel as guilt, like not being able to reconnect with him and, you know, let him know again, how important he was in our life. Um, and that's, you know, being a parent, like you, have a laundry list of things you got to do, including laundry all the time. <laughs> um, and you just can't get to everything. And so that was one of the things I didn't get to. And so there is some guilt there about that, but I do know that in my heart, Mike knew that he was important to us. So there, there's, there's some guilt there, but also, okay, I had my say but I would certainly trade all of that to have him back at our table and in our life. But yeah, you know, it's interesting talking about how each of us mourn because, you know, I, I thought for a while I might go into um, being a psychologist. And then one day my, my brother said, do you really want to sit there and listen to people complain all day long? And I was like, no, no, you're right. You're right. I don't but I always had an interest in it. And one of the things that I was always interested in is seeing how people mourn. Um, You know, I have some personal things in my life with my mom, seeing her mourn for, you know, 30, 40 plus years of her father who died when she was a really little girl. Like she, I don't even know if she really has any real memories of this man, but she continues to mourn for him. And so you know, I saw um, someone I knew in high school, her mom passed and people were criticizing her. Like, it doesn't seem like you're sad because she was going out and having crazy behavior and not, you know, being clearly upset about things. And so it was, you know, that was, that was her method. And it is really interesting to see how everybody mourns differently. Like there's no truly like set form of mourning and it's fascinating to me and so it's also been you know I haven't asked the other players in our group and it's easier to not do that because we're all playing remotely right now like how are they doing about this um and maybe I should (laughs) but yeah I mean it's 
it's really fascinating to see that. And then to see mourning in such a close knit group, this has to affect all of us. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think I, I'm an atheist, but one thing that religion does like pretty, pretty good is that they have a very ritualistic. And I think there's something that secular ideologies can pull from that. And the idea of mourning as a ritual, right? And so talking about, I don't know how my, how the other players are thinking about this, right? Like how, how do we kind of commemorate this moment, this, you know, punctuate this period in time and give it its, its due maybe. And, um, and there are ways to do that, right? And so one way to kind of do that in game, right, is like, I don't know what game you guys are currently playing or, or I guess in my mind, I thought you guys were all just playing one D and D campaign and that's what it was, but it sounds like you just love all the games. And so well, right now we're focused on the one. Okay. Dragon which, Dragon. which is what? Dragonlance. Oh, D &D. So very, D &D, yeah. very much D and D. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So cool. Um, and so one thing you can do is kind of create like a shrine or a dojo in some, in one of the towns, right? And that maybe you start a following, right? Um, maybe people get inspiration or whatever it is in this game, right? When they do something that Mike would be tickled by, you know, that, that Mike would think was funny or cool, right? Or that he loved or was some part of him, right? You know, you feel a pleasant tingling and some, suddenly remember a fond time with Mike. You now have inspiration at your next blank check. Um, and, it just becomes part of you, the way you play, right? Either during this game or forever, however you kind of choose to do that, you know? Um, because it's a ritual, it's a, it's a habit, and it's a part of just keeping somebody, quote unquote, alive um, and, and kind of with you, right? And the thing is, is that mourning is not for the dead because they're gone. And unless, unless you believe otherwise, they're not here to actually experience it right? Um, but what it does do is it kind of gives an indication to the other surviving members, hey, if, if something were to happen to me, look at how re much respect would be paid towards me. Wow. And it actually is like a reminder of your closeness with each other as well. You know, if something were to happen, look how we would all pay dues to you. Um, uh, you know, every kind of game like this has the potential to be very therapeutic, right? As we talked about before, just because we, we become, we put so much of our energy and our, like, I don't want to say souls, but like our being into our characters, right? And, um, uh, sorry, I'm <laughs> looking down. Um, and so, you know, we can kind of think about, okay, well, what, what was interesting about Mike's character or characters? You know, what is interesting about my character that comes through and how do we, how do those kind of pieces interact together, right? In, in real life, when someone uh, passes away, I have clients, I encourage them, maybe we want to write a letter, right? Maybe we want to say something to this person. And again, it's not for the person who's gone, unless you believe it is. Some people do, which it's even another level of, of meaning, right? But uh, maybe you want to say something. Uh, that you never got to say to them, right? 
maybe you wanted to, um, you know, say something uh, that they taught you, you know, in game or out of game, right? In game, even remember, you know, maybe you want to talk about this moment of heroics that Mike had or, or that, that a character might have um, or just, um, you know, in general, it can be incredibly cathartic, right? To go through this sort of ritualistic experience in game or out of game, right? But in game, there's so many different cool ways you can do that that you couldn't even do in real life. That's yeah, that's such a good point. Gretchen, you had an idea actually already sort of planned um, similar for that in the Supernatural game. Yeah, and I think I actually, you know, I know you were the you are the main DM to, or the GM to that game, but I think I'm going to add a special check to it that we're just going to have to live with from now on. <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah. I think that's yes. such a great idea, Savannah. That just, that warms my heart. That uh, God, I love those ideas. Yeah, I love the notion of creating something positive and to invoke positive memories too, because, you know, it's funny. And I think that this is something that we get as gamers that maybe not a lot of people necessarily get with other friendships is that, you know, a gaming session lasts hours and hours and like more so than almost any other social event that we attend to. So like a regular gaming campaign you end up hanging out with those people more hours and more time than any other people in your <laughs> life. And so like, I, I think about that a lot because it's like Mike and I didn't hang out ever outside of gaming, but I hung out with Mike more than almost any of my other friends. If you think yeah, about that, it's crazy. And, you know, it's funny cause you know, you mentioned Amanda um, Plagman, who's, been in our I've been gaming now with her for 10 years and I kind of think about it like I've spent more time with Amanda than any of my other friends other than Gretchen in the last decade and we've maybe hung outside of gaming five times in those 10 years but I consider Amanda to be one of my closest friends and it's really just through the context of sitting at a table and telling stories together rather than that more traditional, oh, we're going to go out to dinner or we're going to go to a movie or we're going to you know, go see a comedy show or something like that, that we kind of think as things that establish friendships. And, and so I think that that's, I don't know, that's a really good, I'm glad that you brought that up, Savannah, because I've been trying to think of like, why does this guy who I just game with seem, why does it seem so much more deeply personal than I would have expected? You know, mm -hmm. like why has it profoundly impacted me in a way that I think on the surface supersedes what, how I contextualize Mike amongst like all of my friends. Um, but I don't know, maybe that friendship was a little bit deeper because we can explore emotional things in a game that we wouldn't necessarily ever get the chance to just in like our normal lives. I don't know, like, you know, people that have passed in my life that have been, that I've been close with, I think over time, you know, it transitions from just being sad that they're gone to, 
like I think about my grandfather, he just had his, you know, would have had his 89th birthday. And he was like, really, like he's, I consider him to be my hero. And like, but when I think about him now, I, it makes me smile. It doesn't make me like, there's a little touch of sadness, but there's also like, instead I feel full of love and like something good. And so it's kind of this, I sort of feel like provides that pathway in a gaming setting to go to that place. Um, and I don't anticipate supernatural will be ending anytime soon. It's a periodic, but very long-term game. But it was interesting because when Mike did first pass, you were like, well, that game's done. It's over. But now I, I feel, can... yeah, now I feel like no way, you know? Yeah. No, Mike would be so sad if we just stopped that game because he wasn't able to be there. So, yeah, I, I just, I love this idea of keeping his memory alive. Yeah. What a great idea, Savannah. Thank you. Yeah. So you've got one more point, Savannah. I do. <clears throat> and so, you know, when we think about like what gives us the most stress in life, usually it are, it's the transitions that we have in life. So, you know, you graduate high school or your kid graduates high school and you're like, oh my God. Um, you know, or someone dies or someone new is added. Um, it's these kind of life transitions that require, right. The healthiest, most functional kind of way to deal with these transitions, which can be very difficult for people is to be as flexible as possible and to be able to sort of adjust and kind of like what you were just talking about, right. Okay. Well now it's over, right. Maybe this game is over because, I don't know how to play this game given this new information, right? Or is there a way to be more flexible, right? Mm. And so we can kind of look at like the transitions, these kind of role transitions that can take place. You know, when you think about a flexible system or a flexible family, um, you can think about like Thanksgiving. Every, everybody does Thanksgiving at grandma's house until grandma's not here. And then a flexible family will come up with a new member who will host Thanksgiving or a new kind of system to keep the family together at Thanksgiving. An unflexible family might say, well, I don't, I guess we're not doing Thanksgiving this year. I guess we won't see each other anymore. Bye guys. And that can happen. Right. Um, and so kind of saying, well, who, who are going to take these sort of new roles? Are there new roles? And maybe that's not particularly relevant in your circumstance now, but um, if he was the person who always brought the food uh, or if he was the person who always made sure that everyone's dice were, I don't know, something clean. I don't know um, that uh, in general, what are the roles? What are the role transitions that are going to take place and thinking about even, you know, letting in new members, would you allow in a new member? It sounds like you probably would. Um, but that's just sort of something to think about because some kind of tight knit groups might say, oh no, no one's going to replace so-and-so, right? I feel very attacked. I feel very offended that anybody would even suggest bringing in a new player, right? So soon, three years later even, right? Um, and so just being really mindful about how there's going to be these sort of role transitions, but there's also going to be um, adjustments that you're going to make in real life or maybe your characters will make, right? Um, sometimes when we lose somebody, we think to ourselves, you know, who am I now, right? It can also change our self-esteem, right? Maybe this person made us feel good about ourselves, 
and having them around just like pumped us up. And now that our cheerleader's gone, we're like, well, now what? Right. Or they made us feel comfortable because they were so humble, you know, or, or maybe they made us feel bad because they were a little boastful and prideful and they like to put us down. And so our, our self-esteem might change with someone um, missing. Um, there also might be, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I feel you. I, I keep muting the cough. I got you. <laughs> there, there might also be, I'm like throwing up in my mouth half the time that I'm doing this because I don't know if that's what happened to you during pregnancy, but there's just a lot of I did, in my throat constantly. Yeah. I did not have that, but I know people who did. So yeah, I, I, I wish you luck. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but there's this other part, right. Um, of external adjustments, right? Um, who's going to take on these new roles? Who is going to need to develop an, the cooking skill, right? Uh, because someone, maybe Mike always brought the best chili. Someone else is going to have to come up with something like that, right? Um, and so that's just something to sort of think about. And then kind of in character, right? We can also think about like spiritual adjustments, right? Um, that happens to people IRL all the time you know, that they might have a varying philosophical or spiritual viewpoint where it's, they're like, now I'm super with God or I'm super against God now, or, or I'm going to change my ideas of how I think the world works or how it should work. Right. Because before I thought, you know, only bad people die and life is fair. And now I realize maybe that's not true. And I have to like, really kind of have a whole new, like reworking of how I see the entire universe right? But maybe our characters go through something like that as well, right? Um, you know, and so allowing for that kind of adjustment or shift, you know, maybe I like looked them up beforehand. I was like, hmm, but like maybe your character believed in like Gond, which is like the god of craft or something, right? Or, and now they believe in like Shar, the goddess of like darkness and loss, you know, you never know. You have no idea. Maybe there's some sort of shift in the way that your character views the world in, in their place in it. And so making room for people to kind of change after these sort of transitions can be important. Yeah, I don't want to sound cheesy at all here, but the, the game, the primary game that we, I think is most memorable to me as far as playing with Mike and we mentioned is Supernatural, the Supernatural RPG, which is based on the television show Supernatural. And I don't know. It is really good. Yeah, it's actually very good. Um, the role playing the, game is fantastic. It, 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 it's, um, it uses the Cortex system, which I know now is very pop, has become very popular. But anyway, this game, if you know anything about the show, the show is all about family. And in a way, I feel like the characters became like that. Like Mike's character, Jack Roberts, ended up coming up with a, a nickname for Gretchen's character who's obsessed with coffee and called her Folgers all the time, like in the game. And it became this thing. And there's a certain, within the context of the game and within the context of the television show, there was like, you know, like the Hunter's funeral. And like during the run of the television show, people died and they always thought of these people as family. And like, I don't wanna minimize what Mike meant as a human being and as a person, but I almost feel like this game in a lot of ways has sort of this perfect structure to kind of deal with like loss of a family member. Like it's almost a part of the fiction. Um, 
although we had never really played into that part of the fiction previously because like characters really just didn't die like we didn't have that but nobody can take up the mantle of jack roberts now like he like he is who he is um and then you know you talked about savannah inviting in other players and i don't know if it would be appropriate or how people would feel about it but if you know we've never had him be a part of it but mike's brother is has played in our game now and to a certain extent it might make some sense to invite him i think he would fit with the group and see if he would be interested in um in joining us but i I, savannah i think this has been just phenomenal i mean i think you've really much needed yeah it's funny because i i don't feel like i don't know maybe we got a free therapy session here but i hope (laughs) though that the what you've been talking about the points that you've made i think that they're a lot more universal we've talked about our specific issues but i actually think that these are really um good points of advice i mean if you really think about it many gaming groups out there will experience this type of loss but it is i never ever imagined it like it was not something that was on my radar until it happened and then you know like I said earlier like I had my own personal morning and then oh shit what's going to happen oh 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 poop what's going to happen at the next time I sit down to play this game like that loss has to be addressed too um and I just I think some of the things you brought up and the ways to deal with it are phenomenal and um and I really hope that, you know, other listeners who have experienced this or may experience this can really go into it with an informed idea of, you know, how to help cope. And um, yeah, this is, this episode's a lot deeper than we normally ever do. And, but again, I think it really needed to be addressed. And I'm so grateful that you were totally into doing it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And um, I'm hoping that that people will listen and they'll kind of think about therapists or, or players, right? We'll think about how gaming can be so therapeutic because I think gaming in general, especially, I mean, I work with a lot of parents of kids who are like, my kid's always on this game. I'm like, great, games are awesome, right? Games are perfect. Children learn through play right? They're not going to sit there and like read a textbook. I mean, I hope not. That's so boring, right? (laughs) You can learn so much about yourself and about the world, about physics, about life and death through gaming, right? Of all sorts. And um, I think that there is going to be an increased amount of uh, linking these kind of two worlds together. Um, There are even like therapeutic D&D groups that exist in this area um, for kids like on the spectrum. Um, and so there's just like a lot of avenues to tie these places together. And I'm so glad that you did on your podcast. So yeah, thanks. Savannah Kite, thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about this. We really appreciate all of your advice and expertise today. And, um, we look forward to chatting with you again at some point in the future. RPGs and baby makes three is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. Email the show at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash rpgsandbabymakes3.